Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Hello, last week we spoke about the benefits of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Among those benefits were clear and measurable outcomes of a diverse workforce. This week, we are going to talk about strategies for leaders. I'd like to welcome back Rico Rice to the show. Rico is the president of Rice Education Consulting, LLC, Redcon for short. It's an organization development firm providing training, coaching, and strategic planning that facilitates the development of their most important assets, their people, and their culture. Rico is a respected trainer and facilitator in the areas of social justice, diversity and inclusion, healthy masculinity, college planning, and leadership development. Welcome back, Rico. Hey, Denise. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure. I'm glad we're able to do this. We're bringing some important information to folks. Now, let's start off by doing a quick recap of last week's show in relation to the benefits of workplace diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Yeah, yeah. So last week we talked about the importance of, and the benefits of DNI. Uh, some of the things that I mentioned was higher cash flow, uh, better engagement from employees, increased retention, and an overall better reputation in the community um, when you show your commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Perfect, perfect. So for those of you who did not catch last week's podcast, just head back over to Nurture Small Business Creating a Thriving Space, and you can pick it up there so you can be up to speed with what we're going to go into. This is a progressive um, conversation. So Rico, we're a small business, my company is, and many small business owners don't have a dedicated DEI, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion program or HR departments to implement it. How then do they begin to work on a program? Yeah, I think um, the first thing is kind of just understanding the benefit. So really thinking about and doing your own research on those things that I mentioned uh, last week as it relates to benefits. Once you have that and once you have a strong understanding and know you want to go forward, I think um, that's not a uncommon problem, right, for a smaller organization not to have a dedicated department for this. So I think it's important that you reach out and find a trusted partner. And I think a trusted partner is one that has expertise working with organizations, small businesses, understands the nuances. So oftentimes that would be a small business themselves, as well as also having the flexibility to be able to really jump in and be a part of the team, right? Um, they have to have the idea that it's not a you and I or a small business. It's actually a partnership. And once they're, the consultant comes in, they're a part of the team and, and they have a collective sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you're working with a company to create that diversity, equity, and inclusion plan, how do you approach uh, creating this? Yeah. So um, one of the first things we like to do is do some sensing, right? So that's uh, first sitting down with leadership, understanding leadership's vision, understanding the why behind it, right? If this is an organization that... Can you repeat that? What did you call it? Sensing? Sensing. Yeah. So that's... um, interviews, focus groups, surveys, just really understanding the different voices inside of an organization. So the various stakeholders from leadership to employees and to uh, even 
supplier partners to really understand the culture and understand how people feel inside of that organization. And so we typically like to start with the sensing to then develop a baseline understanding and get a full picture of how people are feeling inside of the organization. From there, we develop, we have developed our own proprietary framework to both evaluate and help organizations create an inclusive environment. And we call that the five P's. And it's based on five pillars. Um, the first pillar being policy, the second pillar being programs, the third pillar being practices, the fourth pillar being um, promotion and did I did I mention all five? I said programs. No, that's four: policy. policies, program, practices, and promotion. And their people, right? Looking at their people as well. Yeah. And so inside of each one of those P's, we're looking at um, so four policies, right? We're looking at what are, what are the current policies? How how do we go about hiring? How do we go about recruiting? Um, what are our policy on leave and flexibilities? Are they equitable to the different types of individuals that may be working for an organization, right? Because um, Certain groups have certain needs when it comes to policies, right? So we want to look at the healthcare policies. What does it say for individuals that may identify as LGBTQI? Uh, what does a benefit package stay? Um, what does the leave package stay for 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 parents? And um, oftentimes, when in a parenting relationship, in a uh, heterosexual relationship, one parent has to take off, and oftentimes that's disproportionately burdened on women. So how does the flex? How does the uh, policies lead, look in that in relation to that? Um, and just so many other different policies. How do we go about recruiting? Uh, where are we recruiting at? Are we recruiting just from monocultural places? Or are we getting a wide, expensive, um, casting a wide net for our talent pool? So all those things are things we're looking at inside of a inside of policy. Then we're looking at our programs, right? Uh, what are the programs? What are the things we're doing to continually to develop and foster development in our people? Um, who are the people that we're supporting in the community and how do we go about thinking about those places where we're supporting, where we're volunteering? Cause every, we know that different groups of people in the side of an organization have different wants and desires in different places. Are we giving our employees the right to pick where they want to volunteer, how they want to volunteer, what, what programs they want to volunteer. So that's both internal and external programs. Then are just our people in general, who are our people? What is our, organization look like from a leadership standpoint to a working to a staff standpoint um and is there some diversity there is there opportunities for people no matter the gender makeup no matter the racial makeup no matter their sexual identity to advance in our company um one of the things i failed to mention when we talked about policies is also our holiday policies right how are we identifying the holidays when we're going to be open when we're going to be closed do we have floating holidays so for people that uh, subscribe to, to different religions so they can still be off to honor their to honor their um, holidays right so all those things are play a part in it um, when we look at promotion is that how what's the feel that individuals get when they interact with our organization just from a, a marketing and a communication standpoint both internally externally do our employees know that we're committed to diversity and inclusion and if so how do they know are we is it embedded in our mission? Is it embedded in other places that where they can see it? Um, when people go to our websites or when people go past our, our office or go into our front doors, do they see a wide representation? Do they see individuals that they can relate to and feel in ways that they can feel comfortable? Um, these are all things. And then what are our practices, right? How do we show up day to day? So practices we refer to as those unwritten rules. So when I was in college back in the day, um, I went to a 
mid-sized liberal arts school in Ohio. And there wasn't a lot of um, people of color there. So there was this, we never had a meeting, but there was this expectation that when you passed other individuals of color walking to class, you would give some type of head now or just acknowledge them. So one of the most inclusive practices we can do inside of organizations is make sure that our people speak to each other on a day-to-day basis, acknowledge them when we walk into a room or we pass in the hallway. And I just, our internal staff, but that we are taking the time to acknowledge our customers when they enter our presence and really approaching them in a delightful and inviting way. So those are all some, I know I kind of went through a lot of different strategies, but those are where we kind of work with organizations from the beginning to start and really examine their culture. And then if those things aren't present, then we work to build those things, right? We may start with our policies because our policies are what really governs and rules our organization. So making sure that, hey, we're looking at building a minority recruitment policy. We're looking at our hiring practices and making sure that whoever is hiring has some bias training and understands interviewing and that there's a standard policy and standard practice to hiring to where every candidate based on job position are getting the same questions. And there's a evaluation sheet. So it's not about opinion. It's about, it's a little bit more factual. Um, We're looking to embed those flexible holidays and all those things that can make an organization more, more equitable. So you did cover quite a bit. Um, (laughs) So I suspect that there's some obstacles that you might face when rolling all of this out. So can you just kind of hit on some of like, what are the largest obstacles that you, you encounter? Um, Yeah. So, right. By virtue of the definition of diversity, it's various, it's various and and differences and things like that. So there's going to be some different opinions and sometimes Individuals who haven't had to think about this in the past look at some of these things as a threat. So we have to really make sure that we're communicating and showing those benefits and showing that, hey, that we're expanding the box, not really contracting the box. So that's one of the biggest um, pieces is really getting our communication right internally to get that buy-in and showing how a lot of what we discussed last week when it relates to the benefits of DEI and how those things benefit. So that's 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 a major obstacle. Obviously, to really go through and evaluate and do all those things that we talked about, there's also budgetary, and it and it requires um, money. And so, I think a lot oftentimes we have to really show that how the return and how this can ultimately lead to more revenue. Because on the front side, it it is a significant investment, and we have and we make sure that we talk about it as an investment. You're not just paying for good and you're actually investing in yourself, you're investing in your business, you're investing in your community, your community, and you're investing in your people, which we think are the most important parts, pillars of any organization. Does your company participate in or facilitate um, any ROI calculation for rolling out a program? You know, like uh, Not directly. We use some of the studies that have already um, been done. We don't do a particular ROI calculation. Um, you know, we clearly state the benefits and we show from previous clients um, and also just what the research says, but there's no calculator that we use. That's not a part of our uh, pitch, so to speak. We just use what's, what's out there. And what's a reasonable expectation for a company, maybe not for rollout, but for just maintenance of you know, maintaining internally a DEI program. And I, I suspect it'll vary based on the size of the company, but. 
and, and when you say expectation, are you meaning monetary oh, expectation? Yes, sorry, expectation? monetary budget. Yeah, I think it's really no hard figure, and it, it depends on the size of the organization. It also depends on the uh, capacity and capability of the individuals inside of the organization, right? So there's some organizations that have maybe one person that's who's charges this, and that person may just need support because they can't do everything, right? So in that in that case, the investment may be a little bit smaller because there's someone driving it. In other aspects, like like we mentioned earlier, a lot of small businesses they don't have anyone there. So someone um, such as our company would come in and almost act as that diversity person for them. So this so the investment will be bigger. Also, when you think about the number of employees, the more the more employees, the more expensive the initiatives have to be. The more layered it probably will come, which all affect the cost of of a program. So it's really hard to quantify in that way. Um, typically, I see uh, most of our clients are starting at 12, 15,000 and it goes up from there to hundreds okay. of thousands. Yeah. And that's fair. And that's completely fair. So <clears throat> once you put this program in place, surely you've got to do some <clears throat> evaluation on the backside of it. So you talked uh, about several different things like when people go to your website, what do they see? The engagement. How do we evaluate post rollout? So yeah, so one of the things we do pre rollout is just kind of understand where our people is. That's a lot of the sensing. So as part of that, we're looking at the engagement. We're looking at thinking about and gathering that feedback from those employees and from those other stakeholders or where we are. And then from post rollout, we look at we roll out. And then we go back to those surveys and we ask a lot of those same questions again and see if we've seen increases in areas that we want to see increases in and also seeing decreases where we want to see decreases at. Um, so that's a lot of our evaluation to understand the success of the program. Oftentimes, we're, uh, we're also doing community surveys. So we do a lot of survey and a lot of sensing to get um, firsthand, real first-person data. And this is part of the service that you offer? as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Perfect. We, I mean, from a service offering, we are, we offer everything from coaching, um, working, as I mentioned earlier, working with individuals and organizations that already have that title to help support and, and coach them and think about them, think about their job from a strategic level to um, working with strategy and um, strategy leadership, working with leadership strategies, working with oftentimes organizations, they have what we consider affinity groups. So those are groups inside of an organization that have a similar makeup and have a similar interest. So inside of larger organizations, you may have a woman's affinity group. You may have a um, different minority affinity groups, different LGBTQI affinity groups. And we work with those affinity groups to help develop strategy because a lot of those affinity groups, they have a passion or they have a desire for whatever their, their lane is, but they don't necessarily have the understand the art and the science of inclusion and how to make it a strategy to get the, the buy-in from leadership. So we work with those groups uh, we provide all different types of training from face-to-face to, um, we have a suite of online workplace cultural trainings, um, which we'll be rolling out 2.0 version um, in the next two months. We have we do strategic planning, equity plans. So we work with organizations to develop their equity plans um, in and make sure that they ladder up to their strategic plans. Or we work with strategic planning and build in equity, embed equity throughout so we pretty much uh, run the gamut. We do retreats, um, retreats, facilitation, facilitating difficult conversations as it relates to diversity and equity inside of an organization where there's 
sometimes some disconnects. So our services are pretty are very expansive when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Wow, sounds like an invaluable resource. What else would you like to add in relation to strategies that you know businesses can implement now? Yeah, I think the first strategy is see where you are, right? So the first thing is if you're not doing any type of sensing, any type of surveys or engagement, is really see where you are, speak to your your employees, um, and not just through the survey, have some anecdotal conversations, really reach out and just begin to get a feel for your employees. Because what happens as a leader is, right, we're so focus-driven on what's coming next and how do we continue to keep the ship afloat that we don't necessarily all the time go down and really have those conversations with the people that are really allowing us to do what we need to do. So I think that's a that's a very tangible strategy. And then once you have that information, uh, really then beginning to look at doing some research on your own or, or getting some partners such as our organization to come in and really develop and look at those five P's that I mentioned earlier. Um, and then not thinking you have to do it all by yourself, right? Making sure that if you're going to do this is that you one set set a budget aside and also you set some time aside for an employee or employees to really make this a part of their working their working day-to-day work and those are all strategies that an, a leader of an organization can do to begin the process of building an equitable culture and then one of the other things is be transparent right if you know that it hasn't been a certain way in the past say hey listen i understand i recognize these things I want to get better. And this is how I'm going to get better, right? It's not just good enough to say, I want to get better. When you make that statement out to your people, give some action steps. This, these are some of the things I'm going to do in the near future. Here's something I'm going to do right now. Um, here's something I'm doing personally. And here's the direction the organization is going to go, whether that's um, some reading, reacting to a, some type of media, bringing in a consultant, um, investing in some type of community programs, those are all things you can do to begin that cycle of building an inclusive culture. Absolutely. I, I, I love that feedback. Um, I'm constantly telling my leaders that they don't have to do it all. They shouldn't shoulder everything. So I, I love that. And I love the the your comments about transparency. Absolutely. That's right on the mark. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. And I think as a leader, we, we we go back and forth with that, right? I, I know with my people, I try to be transparent. And then at other times it's like, ah, I don't kind of play things <laughs> close, to, close to the cup. So it's, it's, it's just one of those things, but I think the better we are at it and the better we are at admitting when we are at fault with it, the better we are. I know um, some of my people and especially my son right now are saying, is this, is this my dad talking? But <laughs> Because I, I have a, I have some trouble admitting faults sometimes, but I do see the benefit of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Humility does go a long way when you make a mistake. So absolutely, and we as not just business owners but adults and people, we can certainly learn from that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to remind folks that. Our third session is going to be a workplace diversity Q&A. So I invite all of our small business owners um, and even employees to ask questions about diversity, equity, and inclusion as it relates to the workplace. Now, to have your question included, 
you'll need to go ahead and email that to me. And that is denise at dcavirtual.com. I'll ensure that Rico has it. You can send that as an email or a voice file. If we're able to include the voice file, we will certainly try to. Um, so again, you can send that to Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, at dcavirtual.com. Now, Rico, before we sign off, how can people find you? Yep. So my email is R-I-C-O at Rice, R-I-C-E, educationconsulting.com. I'm on LinkedIn as Rico Rice. Our website is www.rice, R-I-C-E, education, consulting, that's consulting, I-N-G, dot com. Perfect. Well, I look forward to chatting with you again next week and answering all other questions. Once again, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to all the questions. Thanks, Denise. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.